nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. So welcome to another episode of the Zika Health Show. This is weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. Today, I have the honor of Dr. David Prologo, MD, FSIR, ABOM-D, which at this point, I don't even know what all of those mean. So he's going to explain all that to you, right? But he has a lot of knowledge. He's a fantastic guy. I know that for sure. Author of the Catching Point Transformation. If you haven't read it yet, go ahead and check it out. So Dr. Prologo has spent more than 20 years, so he's been, been in this business a lot longer than I have, specifically analyzing the phenomenon of diet attrition. I think I said that word wrong. I meant phenomenon. There we go. Phenomenon. It's a Jamaican background. Sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. say words Either a little way. differently, you know, phenomenon. <laughs> that's the word. But seriously, yes, he really looks at diet attrition. And this means why diets fail. But more importantly, when they do fail, and why? And why do we blame the patients for the failure? Thinking it's just a mindset thing or a motivation thing, things that come easy to us may not necessarily come easy to them, right? And these are some of the things we're gonna talk about today. This journey has led Dr. Prologo to transform his first, I'm sorry, I'm just say, to perform his first inhuman advanced interventional procedures to manage obesity, diabetes, and other metabolic conditions. But Dr. Prologo, this guy is a, low, he's a celebrity, let me tell you. He's been featured on the Today Show, Capitol Hill, the Washington Post, and numerous peer-reviewed journals. So I have the honor of introducing the amazing Dr. David Prologo today. Hey, Thank David, you how that. you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for that amazing introduction and for all that you do. Thank you so much. And thank you for all that you do. I'm glad you're here today, my friend. I'm glad you're here. And with that being said, well, everything I just told the audience, you have a lot more to share. So tell them about yourself. All right. Uh, so uh, basically, I'm a, a dual board certified, meaning that I have uh, two certifications and two subspecialties of medicine, interventional radiology and obesity medicine. That's what that last set of letters is. And uh, that intersection between those two professions led us to some brand new ways to approach and manage weight loss, obesity, lots of other things too, pain, uh, even mental health issues, and uh, just lots of different things because uh, it's a sort of a unique combination that allows me to see problems from two different perspectives. And uh, you and I were talking a little bit before we went on the air here about how these things are problems with the body. Uh, there's a lot to be concerned with with the body. And I think for me anyway, too often we get caught up in this mind over matter mentality uh, and we forget to address the problems of the body so that we can fix the mind in, in what I say is a retrograde fashion. 
That's fantastic. And we definitely are going to get along great. And you're going to have a lot to share because you're so right. You're so right. And I'm glad that you spent enough so much time studying why this happened. So I'm not going to dribble much more. I'm going to let you get into this, right? Sure. First so I, oh, sorry, go on. I'm sorry. So I, my, my question to you, and you can add on as you care to, what is the biggest misconception people have regarding weight loss? Oh, that's a, that's such a perfect question. So uh, it, it, it seems that in addition to all the other things you do, you're also a great podcast host because that's the perfect question right there. The greatest misconception that we have is, uh, well, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to divide it into two things. Uh, so the first one is uh, that the experience that someone who's, who's never been overweight, who's never been obese, what I call the so-called always lean population, they were born this way, they were... Uh, involved in sports, and now they're now they've become trainers, etc. Uh, the people who have never gone through the change from overweight to lean, the biggest misconception we have is that we know what that's like. We think in our minds that if we were to switch places with this person who is say 270 pounds, five five, trying to make a change, we assume, and this is the biggest misconception that if we were in their shoes, we would know how to do it. We would be able to handle it because we think that uh, we know what it's like to eat clean and exercise. Well, we know what it's like to eat clean and exercise in our own bodies. But when you do that same thing in an overweight body, the response to the body is much different. Uh, and, and I think if we, if we think about that just logically for a second, we've got all these people trying to lose weight who are failing, right? Even the CDC has reported that uh, at least 50% of us in America have failed at least two diets in the last year. So that's like 160 million plus failures, right? So we can't logically think that all of those failures are related to some lack of willpower or lack of mental fortitude, or uh, it can't all be attributed to that, right? So there's got to be more to it. So the biggest misconception that we have is that if we've not gone through that weight loss journey, that we know what it's like, because it's not what you think. That's fantastic. And um, <laughs> you're, you're definitely right, though. No, you're definitely right on point with that. I've had this discussion with many individuals as well who are currently obese or overweight. And they tell me, look, a lot of times trainers or even nutritionists, they just don't understand. They don't yeah. understand what I'm really going through. And That's I want right. to pick it back right. on something before you continue. I know you have a lot to say. I want to pick it back on something you said about being in a different body. We don't realize that being in a different body comes with different challenges, not nearly mental as much. There's a mental piece of it as well, but the gut enzymes that you may have may be different. You may That's be exactly insulin right. resistant. You may have hypothyroidism. There's so many things that can come. You may be addicted to sugars. If you've been eating sugars all your life, you may actually have an addiction. You may be an emotional eater. There's so many things that come can come along with being in a different body than myself who have been doing this for so long that I don't even know what overweight looks like anymore. And you, and that's the point. Honestly, that's the point of the book. Uh, the book that I wrote called The Catching Point Transformation is about exactly that because I watched my own relatives go through this and it became very clear to me that something was going on with them that I wasn't feeling and that I wasn't familiar with. And even now, uh, so many years later, fast forward so many years later, patients still try to explain this to you, right? They try to articulate to you that something's going on that you don't understand. Uh, they'll say, doc, I, I, I go on this calorie restriction plan. I follow this exercise program and I just can't lose weight. Something's wrong with me. And then they start to guess. 
Is it my genetics? Is it my metabolism? So they don't know, but they are trying to tell you that something is happening that you, uh, as an always lean person, me, for example, or somebody else, don't understand or haven't felt. So they've been trying to tell us. So the, so the reason I wrote the book is because uh, during my career and my training, it became clear what exactly those things are. Now, the general population isn't necessarily aware of the scientific details of the metabolism changes and the hunger hormones that spike, but it's all very true, and it's all spelled out in, in our obesity medicine textbooks or even in the, in the medical literature. It is all spelled out exactly what happens when an obese-slash-overweight person goes on an abrupt calorie restriction. All the, all the things that happen in the body that these people are trying to identify and explain are known. It's known. So it's not a mystery, but the people who know it, the scientists and the doctors, we don't have the platform that uh, the big weight loss companies have. And so, so we're not heard, right? We're, we're not heard, even though we have, when you, you know a person who's, who's trying to understand why they can't lose weight, we know the answer but we don't have the, the same sort of uh, megaphone that the big companies have. And the big companies aren't necessarily interested in answering that question for you. They're interested in selling you something. So there becomes this big disconnect and there becomes a population of people like me and others in my field who have the answers for people, but, but don't have the platform and aren't interested in selling stuff, right? I, I don't, I'm not interested in running a business here uh, or even, or even uh, being a bestseller. I have a, a day job I'm blessed with and I'm busy with and I'm thankful for. And uh, so I don't, I don't need, I don't have the same motivations to sell stuff as the companies do. So my motivation was because I watched my mom go through this. I watched my friends go through this. And I want people to understand that it's known what it is that's stopping you. And here it is, one, two, three, four, five. So you can understand written in plain language. Uh, and then finally, Here's how you get around that. That's as noble as they come. I mean, <laughs> seriously. I mean, this on top of everything, apparently he's a saint. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's true. I mean, it, it, it became it became such a frustration for me to watch people because, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to put sort of a dark cloud on your on your podcast here and bring in some sad news or whatever. But it became so frustrating for me to watch the effect that not knowing this has on people. If you feel like there's something wrong with you, let's say you mentioned asthma earlier, right? If you felt like there's something wrong with you, in this case, asthma, maybe you're having a hard time getting your breath, right? Now, you know something's wrong with you, but you're not a doctor, so you can't put it in words. And each time you go to the doctor, the doctor just looks at you and says, no, come on, come on. This, this is all in your head. There's nothing wrong with you. You breathe just like everybody else. That would, after a while, you start to internalize. I mean, in the beginning, you're going to be like, no, I know something's wrong. But after a while, you're going to start to internalize it and say, well, maybe, maybe it is in my head. Maybe there is something wrong with me. And that's exactly what happens to people who fail these weight loss attempts. They start to internalize it. They start to, they start to see their self-worth go down uh, and, and they become depressed. And it's this downward spiral. This is what I mean. I didn't want to bring a cloud onto the show. But that I became so frustrated with that because it's not founded in anything. It's not real, right? So you're watching all these people become upset and have uh, have their uh, you know have their feelings hurt and all of these kinds of things based in something that's that's not even real. It's it's not even real. This this attitude towards somebody that you can't be successful with your weight loss because you're a bad person or you're weak or whatever. It's not even true. 
So, so, so I needed to get that out there somehow. And I thought a book would be the way to do it. A, a book is a great way to do it. And appearing on this wonderful podcast is yes. the show. Just let anybody know, <laughs> you know, you guys know where to find me, you know where to find me. But seriously, you're, you're right, though. A book is a great way to put it out there. And I want to add one thing to what you said, too, about trainers, because I come across this a lot of times. I've gone to gyms where people have asked me to work with their trainers or, you know, a client, your clients may hit a plateau. And I will look at it and see that they train the same clients or the different clients the same way. And oh. I'll sit with them and say, why do you do that? Well, this is my program. I said, but you, apparently these three people are on plateaus. Maybe you need to reconsider your program because how somebody needs to train is specific. There are many things outside of, let's say, you know, there's cardio, cardiovascular health, and we know we need strength training for bone health and everything else. But based on the type of diet that they eat, if someone's a fat burner versus a sugar burner, there are so many things that goes into how somebody's supposed to train. And I have shorts on those and episodes on those. So I'm not going to go into that whole thing. But I'm just driving home the point of how individual and different we are. And if we, ju- if we don't learn how to really personalize for ourselves or don't have an expert who can teach you and give you a personalized program that's good for you, you end up being stuck and you can end up blaming yourself. And again, the problem is not necessarily you is what you're actually doing. Amen. Amen, brother. So uh, I I wrote once uh, a piece about this uh, and then ended up including it in the preface of the book. I I, I compared what you just said uh, to the following. Imagine that you have a a group of uh, student age kids that are like 14, 15 years old in a third world country, right? And uh, you then have the same uh, age group of kids who are upper middle class, say, white kids in America. And these kids in America, they're going to write down their recipe for success, right? Uh, every night, do your homework and, uh, you know, uh, don't spend all of your allowance, you know, and uh, pay attention in your school. And here's the recipe for success, right? And they give it to the person in the third world country who picks it up and goes, what's an allowance? Um, you know, and, and what do you mean pay attention in school? I don't go to school. And, and, uh, and, and so you can see that the, the person who's already there, right, that some of the trainers that you were talking about, they're giving you their program for success that they do. And then they're handing it over and expecting you to do it when you're such a different person in such a different situation that it doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, and, and so that's the disconnect that you're talking about. And then what I'm saying is that even worse on top of that, when you can't do it, the upper middle class white kids, in my example, when, when their program fails, they go, ah, I guess they don't really want to be successful. Like what, what's, you know, and that's, that's what you see. So, so I believe in that disconnect. And I appreciate that you would look into the individual and try to see what it is for each individual person that they need. And this is the same in every single thing in life. People in, uh, in businesses, they talk about this all the time. They talk about how if you have a group of workers uh, to get them all to succeed, you won't be able to just have them all do the same exact thing, right? There are some workers who are going to want to come in early. There are other workers who are going to want to be heard and others that are going to want to be quiet. So you won't be able to use the same thing for each and every one of them. You're going to have to figure out what it is that drives this person, this person, and that person. And that's how you get the whole team to work. And I suppose sports is probably the same way. So it's not just weight loss. You know, it's, it's all in life. 
In sports is exactly the same way. You are right. In everything, you have to individualize. You have to understand that people are motivated differently and treat them differently. Now, some people are just irrational. I can't do anything about them. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you're, but you're so right. You're so right. So you answered this question pretty much already, but I really want you to kind of dive a little bit more, right? Mm -hmm. So what would you say makes your weight loss strategy most effective? Oh, I, I love that question as well. And the answer is this, we're focusing on something different. We're, we're focusing on something different. And what I mean by that is uh, historically, the focus has been on calorie restriction and, and or calorie burning. Like you said, before we came on here, calories in, calories out, right? Uh, and that's, that's the focus. And, but the real focus needs to be on attrition, meaning that the real focus needs to be on what causes these people to give up and quit, right? Because if you can change that, then you can change the outcomes. But no one focuses on that. And there was a famous article in the Journal of American Medical Association, uh, JAMA, where they compared all the mainstream diets. And they put everybody in an arm and they gave everybody an individual diet, Atkins, Ornish, Zone, all the way through to try and answer the question, what was the most effective diet? And what they found in that study was that the only thing that correlated with success, it wasn't the individual diets, it was the ability to adhere to the diets. So if you were able to follow the program over time, then you succeeded, didn't matter what diet it was. So now you, you take from that and you look at the, at least the United States and, and likely worldwide, you've got 95% of these people failing and, if the, and, and quitting. So if the thing that correlates with success is maintaining your attention to this program over time, that we should be asking ourselves, not what diet should we be on, but what can we do to stop people from quitting? And I will promise you, the answer is not give them a pep talk or <laughs> tell them uh, when you feel this resistance and you feel this hunger and you feel this fatigue and your metabolism slows down, just, just buck up. That's not the answer, right? The answer is how do we mitigate these things that cause people to quit and make it, instead of a miserable experience, a fun experience? How do we make it so it's enjoyable for them the same way it is for these folks you see at the gym that are smiling and drinking kale shakes and they love it, right? So why is it that they love it, but the people over here hate it? And the reason is because their body's sending them all these unpleasant signals. If we can get the get them around those signals and get them feeling good in the gym, you won't have to motivate them at all. They'll go there on their own. So I have a client, one of my favorite clients of all time. And uh, he's a, he does well with weight loss. Uh, he builds muscle, but he's, he's an older guy, but he's, he's kind of back and forth. Like he won't stick to things kind of like what you're talking about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he and I talk a lot and luckily we're both Cowboys fans. So we get to talk uh -huh. about that. And sometimes, a lot of times we just have a heart to heart. So I'll finish the, the training like five, 10 minutes early and we just kind of talk. And I won't say to him, you should do this, you should do that. I just listen to what he's telling me because I'm trying to figure out why is it that you always have an excuse for everything. Yeah. And we, he realized on his own. And it's the thing I learned about him that I have to let him realize things on his own. If I tell him, he won't get it. So I let him realize it. Then I add to it at that point. I said, this is what I was talking about. Then I'll add to it. But he, the light bulb goes off. 
Yeah, that's how I raise my kids. Go ahead. There you go. I don't have <laughs> you anybody. Tell, you I can't guess. tell them. You, I'll tell you right now. That's, you keep on this principle because you can't tell them anything. But they figure it out on their own. Then that's your chance to talk. But sorry to interrupt. Come on. Boy, they, they're the genius at that point. I think I'm kind of like that a little bit too. I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean you're going to tell me? I've been doing this for, 10, for 15 years. And then I feel yeah, like, oh, that's what you were talking about. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so but reason I'm bringing up that um, as an example is because he's recently started um, meditating in the mornings and focusing on his mental health, not just meditation, but just overall focus on his mental health. Mm-hmm. And his mm-hmm. mental health counselor told him that he has OCD. Uh-huh. And he starts to realize that he compartmentalizes everything. If he learned something 20 years ago, his brain puts that in a compartment and he still believes it. And that's why I can't say to him to change it. Like I tell him to have glucose at night, some glucose for his brain so he can sleep. I'm not supposed to eat carbs at night or I, I don't track calories. I need to be on a calorie deficit. And I'm like, and he knows what I do works, but his brain still is stuck in that. And sure. now that's when we talk, that's what I try to reverse. Every time when I talk to him after every session, I try to reverse where his mind is with that. And now he's feeling better. Like I would say some simple things to him, like you're turning a corner. Or when he does something, make instead of giving him five things to change one time, I'll give him that one little thing and then work on that victory and tell him, focus on that victory. Don't focus on the scale. Then we'll move to the next thing. And I'm seeing the difference by approaching it that way. And that's why, again, you're talking about knowing why people stop, why people quit is so Mm -hmm. important because once you fix that, then you can really get, get people on the right track. Amen. Boy, I, I, we, we definitely share a lot of philosophy. So I, I thank you for that. And, and for your attention to individuality. That's a, what you're saying is not common. That way of thinking uh, is not common, right? So I'm positive that you're good at what you do and probably other things as well, because you think of it that way, as opposed to thinking I've got one way and I'm going to apply it to each and every person that comes to me. That's only going to work one out of 10 times. You're going to have a 10% success rate. But the way you're looking at it is you're going to modify the approach for each person. And now you're going to have a 90 to 100% success rate. And that's exactly what we're talking about in the catching point. And also, by the way, this same exact method that you just described of hearing people and what they're saying, it works in, in other parts of medicine. It works with uh, managing mental illness. It works with managing pain syndromes, right? Uh, hearing what people have to say. And, and I know this sounds old fashioned, but uh, and I wish I had a better phrase, but it, you just really have to figure out what's going on in their bodies, right? Not what's going on in your body, in your mind, that is built on wherever you got raised and your experiences. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about trying to help another human being. And that's why I love to hear what you're saying, because you're trying to help this guy who's outside of you. And in order to do that, you're trying to understand what's going on in his mind and his body, not taking what has been exactly successful for you personally and trying to apply it to him. And then when it doesn't work, getting mad at him. So, <laughs> so I'm preaching to the choir here. It's very nice to hear someone else uh, say that as well. And I'm sure your clients are thankful also. I hope they are. I hope they are. Or maybe they'll fire me. Who knows? Just to my podcast, learn what they need to learn. They don't even need, they don't even need me anymore. <laughs> that client I'm talking about actually is an avid listener of my show as well. So he's probably going to one day say, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, so let's continue a little bit because you've given us a lot of good information. Um, but I want to talk about actually before I continue how do we get your book? Because I really want to make sure that my audience oh, knows. I, I appreciate you saying that. So the name of the book is The Catching Point Transformation. 
Uh, it's available everywhere, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, et cetera. But if you don't feel like looking for it, my website is Dr. Prologo, D-R-P-R-O-L-O-G-O.com. And the links to everything are there and, and all the kinds of things that we're talking about are there. So thank you for, for letting me put that out there. Oh, definitely. And we'll do it again at the end of the show. I just want to make sure we at least do it right here when we're close around the middle or so. So people, people who, you know, some people have short attention span. So make sure that at least that we get that in. We get that I, in. I, I appreciate that. At the end of the day, we're looking to help as many people as possible. And uh, that's the place to start, drpalogo.com. Perfect. Perfect. So let's talk a little bit about um, surgery, right? Because I know that's something that you've, you've studied as well. So at what point should someone contemplate having surgery? So that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I'll try to simplify it. A little bit of a complicated answer. So uh, first of all, we have to we have to kind of draw the distinction between three important things that we can offer inside of medicine, right? There's outside of medicine things, and most of those are spelled out in the book. And then there's inside of medicine things, which we also talk about in the book, but they're distinctly different, right? One requires you to go to a doctor. One requires you to just follow what's in the book, right? Uh, but the things inside of medicine can be broadly divided into really three interventions, medicines, which everybody understands, right? And there's a lot of evolution and development of, of medicines for the right people, surgery, as you just mentioned. And then the last one is kind of in the middle and it's procedures. It's just needle procedures, non-surgical interventions. So starting with surgery, uh, BMI is really the, the defining thing here. If your BMI is 40 or above, then you may be a candidate for surgery. If your BMI is 37 and above and you have some, what we call a comorbidity like diabetes or heart disease, then you're gonna qualify for surgery. So surgeries are uh, the greatest illustration of what I've been talking about. And I'm not a surgeon from the beginning. Uh, these are not surgeries where they go in and implant willpower or, or they go in and they, they implant uh, mental fortitude, right? That's not what they're doing. They're making a change to the body that results in uh, attenuation of one of these things that we said makes people quit. And that, that particular thing is hunger. The body, when you restrict your calories, the body uh, dumps this hunger hormone ghrelin into your bloodstream because your body wants to survive. And it sees this decrease in calories as a starvation event or a famine. And so the body is wired now to send you on a food seeking mission so we don't die. Very much like if I had you hold your breath underwater, uh, after a few seconds, your body's gonna start to send you on this mission to get air, all right? And it's gonna, it's gonna tighten and tighten and tighten as time goes on. Same thing goes on with calorie restriction and hunger. So what happens with these surgeries, early on we thought that uh, bypassing the stomach made a smaller stomach and then you got fuller faster and yada yada, but it's not that. That was a good idea, but that's not how it works. How it works is the surgeons realized after years and years of doing this, it wasn't that when they cut out a portion of the stomach, the stomach got smaller and you ate less. That's not what happened. What actually happened was they cut out the portion of the stomach that produces ghrelin. So when people got hungry uh, or when they restricted their calories, rather, the ghrelin didn't get dumped into the bloodstream. Why? Because that part of the stomach was in a bucket. And nobody realized that in the beginning, but over, over years, people started to discover because the, the stomach would even re-expand, people still didn't feel hungry. Uh, and so surgery is something that is done to the body that interrupts those things that cause people to quit their diet and allows them to succeed. And hundreds of thousands of pounds have been lost 
diabetes has been reversed, all of these super outcomes with surgery when they do something to the body, right? Completely debunking the mind over matter uh, way of thinking. So that's surgery. Now, in the middle are procedures. This, this is what I do. An interventional radiologist is a person who does things with a needle under image guidance. And it's non-surgical. You know, we put the needle in, it takes 20 minutes, we send you home an hour later. And these procedures, the one that, that I'm most, uh, I guess, uh, well known for is this needle we put in and we froze the hunger nerve, the, the, the nerve that brings the signal of hunger from an empty stomach to the brain. Another way that the body lets you know that you need to go eat. And that overwhelms people. So we froze that nerve and shut off that signal and effectively blocked hunger for people who were then uh, had an easier time on a calorie restriction because they didn't feel hungry and, uh, and were able to lose weight. Again, proving the point that we're doing something to the, it's almost matter over mind. It's the exact opposite of what we've been talking about for the last 50 years. Something to the body, which changes the mind over time because you start to crave healthy foods and everything changes along the way. And then lastly is, uh, is weight loss medication, which is sort of an evolving thing uh, and really is only right for the right patients. Patients with diabetes, for example, and a certain BMI, uh, you've got to be the right patient to benefit from, from weight loss medication. So, so that's inside the medical field, what people can do to block those signals that stop them from succeeding. If, if, if you removed a part of the stomach that creates that ex, uh, the ghrelin, excess ghrelin, right? Right. Which is huge because then you shouldn't be as hungry anymore. My follow-up question to you then is this, is mm -hmm. this a common practice now or is it evolving? Where so it's it, only been done sometimes in surgery. Um, so the answer is both. It is still common and it is still effective, but it is definitely evolving. And I'll give you an example. We know now what blood vessel supplies the ghrelin uh, producers, right? The ghrelin producing cells. And so now instead of surgery, interventional radiologists like me can go into that vessel and block it up with these little particles. And, uh, and then the ghrelin cells die and the person feels less hungry. And we do all of this again in 40 minutes without surgery. So it's definitely evolving. Once it became clear that these cells in this portion of the stomach were producing a hunger hormone, then the race was on. How can we block this hunger hormone? And people have tried to develop drugs to block the hunger hormone. They've so far been unsuccessful. Uh, we've blocked the hunger hormone. Uh, we as interventional radiologists and, uh, and the father of this was a guy named Cliff Weiss and, and Arvin Arapali. I have to make sure I give them their credit. I didn't invent that. And, uh, uh, and we've, we've, we've evolved a way to, to block those cells that way. Uh, and then they, you still do surgery if you're heavy enough in, in that category, just it still take surgery. So I have another, I have another follow-up question. Um, mm -hmm. So with the second procedure you mentioned about blocking the nerve that basically transports ghrelin, does that then impact how much ghrelin your, your body would create over time? So these are such good questions. So uh, to be clear, the ghrelin production happens in the stomach, right? And they spill it into the blood. The blood takes it to your brain. But the body is uh, amazingly redundant meaning that it has more than one way to send this hunger signal to you. So the nerve, the vagus nerve sends electrical signals to the brain. 
to tell you that you're hungry, almost like a radio message to your brain to tell you that you're hungry. So when we shut off that signal, uh, it doesn't do anything with Graylin. It leaves Graylin intact. And, and this is really the answer also to another question I get a lot, which is, if you shut off my hunger signal, am I going to starve to death and never eat again, right? Uh, and the answer to that is no, we're just going to quiet down your hunger signals, but we don't take them away completely. So the body will continue to produce ghrelin in the setting of that nerve freeze. Uh, thank you so much for clarifying that. I really want to make sure that my audience is really aware of that because that's huge. And I'm, I'm actually not familiar with that procedure. And that's something I'm a little more into, not for myself necessarily, but to learn more and maybe even bring it up to clients as well. So thank you so much. That's, that's fantastic. Now, before we get out of here, um, I just want to talk a little bit more about your book and ask, what takeaways do you want anyone who's read the book to come away with? And what would you like to add that we have not discussed? Okay, great. So the, the takeaway for the book is easy. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the reason for writing the book was to explain to all these people in the world who feel like they have this invisible resistance to weight loss, that they, no matter, here's a, here's a common quote I'm sure you've heard, no matter what I do, I just can't lose weight. And the people who have felt that way, I want them to know that you are right. There is a force stopping you from losing weight. And here's the explanation. And so I want people to read that because it's, I think they'll be fascinated and vindicated to hear, oh my gosh, th this is me. This is what I feel. Now, this guy, meaning me, is explaining exactly what I've been trying to tell you for 20 years, that uh, I can't lose weight, my metabolism is slow, et cetera, et cetera. So I want people to understand that. And then uh, once everybody processes that, we, I want then to go to the second half of the book and understand how to get around these things. Uh, you know, very simple things that I can mention here. The details are all in the book. One very obvious mistake that we make is we abruptly start a new exercise program and a very low calorie restriction all on the same day, right? Bam, bam, the one-two punch, right? The body reacts to that like you dropped a bomb on it and it fights you every step of the way, right? So we layer those in uh, and we reach this point slowly and easily called the catching point. And after that point, you're not going to have such a miserable time. After that point, you're going to have different feelings when you try to eat cleaner exercise, you have a better exercise capacity, and the whole thing will be pleasant. And once that experience becomes pleasant, then you don't need anybody anymore. <laughs> you're off on your own because you're going to be on the internet figuring out your own exercises and all that, because we take the struggle out of it. We get you to this point called the catching point after which the struggle is gone. So those, those are really the take-home points. Here's why you haven't been able to do it so far. And here's a way around. Fantastic. Thank you so much, man. David, you are, you're a saint. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm not, you're giving us such good information. That well, I appreciate you, you having me on. Thank you so much. Now, I, I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, man. I've, I've learned things from this podcast as well. When I can say it, I've learned from listening to uh, an interview, that means that you are, you are, you're a different level. You're just a different level. You're a different <laughs> well, level genius, man. I so, appreciate your kind words. Again, before we get out of here, tell my audience again, how can they get in touch with you and how can they get a copy of your book? Yes, thank you. Uh, on Amazon, look for the Casting Point Transformation or the easiest way I think is to go to uh, drprologo.com and there are links there to everything you might be interested in. Thank you, David. You're the man and uh, enjoy the rest of your day, okay? You too, sir. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the 
Zico Hell Show. If you got good quality content out of this or any of my episodes, save, subscribe, and share it with family, friends, co-workers, or anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.